You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Over the course of June, we have talked about the nature or the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. Our Lord taught us to pray this way, Our Father, which art in heaven. He said, Our Father. That was His Father, Our Father. When He rose from the dead, He said to the women, He said, Your Father, My Father. He is Our Father. There's something special about Christianity, and that is that we get to call God Our Father. And if we know Our Father... We understand that it gives us strength. Daniel said this. It's in your notes. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. If you find that on your page, let's read this out loud together. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Let's try that one more time and let's read it out loud together. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. A lot in that little statement, if you know God. You'll be strong. Know God. Well, what do you know about God? That's why we're doing this course. We're actually going to continue on into July. We're going to talk about the nature and the characteristics of our Father. Because if we know Him, we will be strong and we'll do great exploits. But if you don't know God, you will not be strong. You can know God and you can have misinformation about God. Some of the misinformation we have about God, I wouldn't want to believe in God either. Some people have this idea that God is, God is a mean God. That if you make one mistake, he's going to zap you. Or that he's, he's just not really interested in your world. That he floats around on this cloud with a long beard and he just kind of is out there. And he's really not interested in your life. That is not your heavenly father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And when we look at the life of Jesus, he was a man that loved to be with people. He was accused of being with sinners. He was accused of being people that were drinking. He was accused of being with people that they thought he shouldn't be with. He was with the hurting, with the lonely. He was with the rich. He was with the poor. He cared for people. He loved people. He, he ministered to them. Sometimes he, re, he corrected them. He, he supplied them with food when they're on the hillside of Galilee. He was with the people. He loved the people. And he said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. When Philip said, hey, I want to see what God is like. I want to see the Father. He said, well, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So as we get to know the Father more, we become stronger and it equips us to do great ex- exploits. There's a world today that's looking for peace, and today we're going to talk about the God who brings peace. His name is Jehovah Shalom. That's one of the names for God, Shalom, and it means peace. It means more than peace, and I'll get into that. But there's a world today that's searching for peace. Last night, we had an evening service, and at our Saturday night service, before the service began, there was a line, a human chain that went all the way down Georgia Street, right past our building, and I don't know how far it went, and it was the people from Iran, and they were standing there making a human chain because they're, they're praying, they're, they're caring about their country because there's not peace there. There's tor- we saw the news. You've, you've read in the paper the turmoil that's in that country. We pray for Iran. We pray for peace in that country. We're believing that God will do something, make a change there. And there, there's a cry for peace in that land. There's a cry for peace in other countries of the world. We, we think about North Korea, and we think about the missile tests that are going on, the nuclear threat that's there, and, and where did this come from again? So there's a, there's a need for peace 
it there. There's a need for peace in our backyard. We had more gang shootings this year than we've ever had before. At least that I could remember, there was a lot of gang shootings, despite the fact that our government spent millions and millions of dollars on gun laws and registration and all the rest of it. We have more shootings than we ever had before. You know what? You cannot legislate peace. You can't force peace upon people because peace is something that's on the inside, not on the outside. You'll never have peace until there's first peace in the heart. You can't force people to be peaceful. It's something that comes from the inside. And God does the work on the inside. He is a spirit. God is a spirit. Those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth, the Bible says. So his spirit comes into our spirit, and it's a peace that comes from the inside out, so to speak. So this morning we want to look at peace. There's a great need for peace in the world, obviously, and we want to look at that. There was a study that was done over the course of history, and they found that the world has been at peace only less than 8% of the time. That means something like 92% of the time throughout world history, there's been a war and there's been conflict. They found out that over the course of recordable history that there has been 8,000 peace treaties. Every one of those peace treaties has been broken because you can't legislate peace. Peace is something that comes from the inside. This week you heard that Michael Jackson passed away. Farrah Fawcett passed away. And as I was reading some of the clippings about Michael Jackson and, and just looking into his life a little bit more, I was interested in, in his life. And, and uh, a lot of it said, now, may Michael finally rest in peace. And may he finally have peace in his life. I, I wasn't much of a, a Michael Jackson fan. I must admit his genre of music just is a long ways from country and western. And so I, <laughs> I know none of your country and western fans, but the, I grew up on a ranch in southern Alberta, so I still like it anyhow. Uh, but I, I, got, I just looked up some of the lyrics of his songs, you know, because there was one called Man in the Mirror, and there was some others that I just... Yeah, I'm curious about what was going on in this man's head, what was in his heart. And, you know, I was surprised... I read some of his lyrics, the one lyrics of the man in the mirror was really an introspection that he needed to change when he saw the hurt in the world. And he's like, I need to do something about my own life if I'm going to bring a change in the world. I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, we, we need to really look inside. I've got to change on the inside if I'm going to change the world. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised when I went and looked. I just had never read much of his lyrics. So there's a need for peace in the world. Everybody would agree with that. You remember John Lennon had the song, uh, all we're asking is give peace a chance. That's true. Let's give peace a chance. But here's my question. Where do I get peace from? Where do I get it from? Give peace a chance. Nice. But where do I get it from? I'm supposed to change, but how do I change? If peace is from the inside, okay, how does that happen? Because you can, and people are trying to get peace a lot of different ways. We've got a lot of Vancouverites. Uh, their peace is Vancouver Bud. That's how I get my peace. One joint a day, and I have my peace. And I'm kind of zoned out. And that's, Jesus would say, that is pseudo-peace. It's not real peace, because it's gone. It doesn't last. And that kind of peace is lousy when you're going into a battle. The kind of peace I'm going to talk about today is a peace, a stability, a strength that you have in the midst of your circumstances. Man, if I have somebody, a soldier, and they're going to go into war, I have somebody who's going into battle, I want them to have a peace and a calm in the core of their being, not buzzed out on some drug or alcohol. Because you can't fight like that. The peace that Jehovah Shalom gives you is a peace in the midst of tough circumstances. 
Peace is not the absence of danger or the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God in the midst of the storm. There is an incredible peace, stability within your life. That's Jehovah Shalom. That's your God. You want to know God? And do, if, the more you know him, the stronger you'll be and you do great exploits. But you cannot do great exploits in your life if you're all knotted up on the inside. If you're all tense on the inside. But if there's a peace on the inside and a strength, you can do exploits. The term Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, comes from or is first introduced in the scriptures through the story of Gideon. We find the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Judges chapter 6. In Judges chapter 6, the children of Israel, in verse 1, it says, They did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. What had happened was Israel had decided not to worship God. They were worshiping Baal. When you study Baal... Historically, it was, it was a bizarre cult. And they had left the worship of God, and they had begun to worship Baal. It was an idol, it was demonic, and they were worshiping it. As a result of it, their lives were falling apart. And at the end of it, God says, okay. Basically, he was saying, if you want to learn the hard way, you're going to learn the hard way. And so as a result of it, he delivered them over to Midianites. The Midianites came in, and what they did, they came from the east, and they came across the Jordan River, and they began to eat all their crops, take all their stuff from them, rob them. And they, they, they no longer could live in their cities or their towns. They were living in the caves. They were hiding there, trying to protect a little bit of grain that they had, a little bit, few crops that they had, few animals that they had. They were trying to protect that. Well, in that story, we have a guy named Gideon. And Gideon is one day in the wine press, a place where they would crush grapes and uh, uh, get their, their grape juice for wine there. He's in there thrashing the grain. He's getting his wheat there. And when he's in there, an angel appears to him and says, The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. The angel had been watching for a while, and then he can all of a sudden see the angel. Angels are incognito. There are angels here present with us today. We live in a three-dimensional world. We can't see into the spiritual realm unless the Lord opens our eyes to it. And at that moment, his eyes are open. He could see in the spiritual realm, and there was this angel speaking to him. I think we give Gideon often a bad rap. He does say later on, I am from the, the, least, of the least of the clans, and I'm, I, you know, I'm the weakest of them all. I think really what he's saying, I'm an ordinary person. Why are you using me? But I think God picked Gideon because what Gideon was doing. Gideon was in the wine press. He wasn't, he wasn't hiding in the wine press. He was hiding his wheat in the wine press. So I want to give him full marks for hiding his wheat in the wine press so somebody didn't come and steal it. I said, good for you, Gideon. I think he was actually pretty smart. I don't want you to steal it, so I'm going to go hide it in the wine press so he can't steal my wheat. He's working. If you study the way God works, is he finds people who are working. He found Peter when he was working fishing. He found Matthew as a tax collector working. He found Elisha working in the field. He found Moses working, taking care of sheep. God looks for busy people. I had a Bible school teacher once said, he said, God can't bless laziness. And there's a lot of truth to that. He looks for people that are busy. He looks for people that are working. And here was Gideon working. And the angel appears to him and says, Gideon, the Lord's with you, you mighty man of valor. And we pick up the story in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 13. Gideon says, now listen to his response. 
Because the response sounds very much like people today. It hasn't changed a lot. Well, oh Lord, oh my Lord, if the Lord's with us, then has, why has all this happened to us? And we're all his miracles that our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, and he's delivered us in the hands of Midianites. And how many have been there and say that, well, man, if God's God, how come all this stuff's happening? How come all this tragedy's happening? Where are the miracles if there is a God? Now, you would think the angel said, okay, Gideon, you know what? Good point, good point. Let me explain that to you. But the angel doesn't explain any of that. The angel just goes on to say in the next verse, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in the might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he doesn't put up with excuses. He just says, Gideon, you're supposed to go. The Lord's with you. And you are a mighty man of valor or you're a mighty woman of valor when God goes with you. You are automatically, you are outnumbering your enemy because God is with you. So Gideon has this instruction from the Lord. And uh, he says to him at this time, O my Lord, in verse 15, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him in verse 16, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Again, the Lord doesn't even bother to answer his assessment of him being the least in the clan. He just says, I'm going to go with you. He's an ordinary person. I think God, again, loves picking ordinary people and using them in a mighty way. And he chooses Gideon. Now, Gideon, I'm going to paraphrase a bit here for the sake of time. Gideon is saying, wait a minute, God. If you're choosing me, then I just would like to have confirmation because this is a pretty far out experience. Maybe once or twice in your lifetime, you'd have an experience like this. He says, if this is really you, I am going to run and get an offering and bring it to you. And I'd like to bring an offering first. And so he goes and he, he brings a goat and some unleavened bread. Now, he doesn't have a fridge. He can go to and open the fridge and have some goat meat there and, you know, pull a piece of bread out of, this, out of the cupboard somewhere. He has to go and bake the bread, kill the goat, and so forth. So this is, takes a little bit of time to get this offering together. And he brings the offering back, and he gives it to the angel, and the angel has him put it on a rock. And then the angel touches the offering with his staff, and out of the rock comes a fire which consumes the offering. And Gideon says, okay, yeah. You, you are with me. That, that kind of convinces him. And at that point, Gideon says, because the angel says, peace be with you. Shalom be with you. And at that point, Gideon says, I'll call this place the Lord is Shalom or Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. But it's more than just peace. If you go to Israel, they'll say Shalom. If you go to uh, Iran, they'll say salom. They'll say different words that mean peace. But in, in our country, we say hi. <laughs> hi. I don't know. What does hi mean? Have you ever thought about it? I was saying, but what does hi mean? Uh, I haven't figured that one out yet. Marcella, do you know what hi means? No. <laughs> do you know Jen? No. So I don't know. I, hi. But you say shalom. Shalom means actually a lot. Uh, it's in your nose. Look what shalom means. It mo- means more than just peace. If you look up the Hebrew word, it means completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. So when you say shalom, wow, you're saying a lot. That's really heavy. That's some good stuff in shalom. 
versus hi or anyhow, shalom. So this is the Lord shalom. I saw something moving up there. There was moving up there. It's me moving up there. It freaked me out. I'm like, what's Shalom, thank you. The Lord be with me, yeah. All right. Shalom. Turn the next page of your notes with me if you could, please. There we go. When God the Father gives you shalom, He gives you shalom so you can face your battle with confidence. Fear will paralyze our ability to perform, whereas shalom, or peace, which actually means more than that, stabilizes our minds and our hearts so we can move ahead. If you play sports, you know what I'm talking about. Because if you're knotted up on the inside and your mind is rattled, you can be the best athlete, you can have the best skills, but you get on that court or you get on the ice, and guess what happens? You get on the, on the field because you don't have peace in your core, in your heart and your mind, you can't perform. It could be a business deal. It could be a job interview. It could be a school interview. But if you don't have peace in the midst of the storm, you can't do great exploits. Would you agree? But if you have peace in the core, if you have peace in your heart, you can do great exploits. Why did God introduce himself to Gideon as God Shalom, Jehovah Shalom? He could have said, I am the God who protects. I'm the God who's a warrior. I'm the God who's this or I'm a God who's that. But he introduces himself to Gideon about to go into battle as Jehovah Shalom because in the battles of your life, God knows what you need more than anything else is stability, peace, strength in the very core of your being that you're not rattled in the middle of your battle. That's a good rhyme. That you're not rattled in your battle. There you go. I don't have a pen. I'd write it down. (laughs) Ephesians 6.15. That's in your notes. The armor of God. You remember the armor of God from Sunday school? We we talked about you put on the armor of God. You put on the helmet of? Salvation. Put on the breastplate of? Righteousness. We have the shield of? We're going to have to review these. The shield of faith. And we have our loins girt in truth. We have the sword of the spirit. And we have our feet. The Bible says shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's in your notes, Ephesians 6.15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. Now, why wasn't peace the shield? Why wasn't peace on the helmet? Why was peace the shoes? Because peace is your stability. What gives you stability in your stance? It's where your feet are, right? So peace gives you stability. And you cannot walk into battle unless you have peace. You will not progress forward into the fight. You will not progress forward into your work. You will not progress forward unless you have stability and peace at the very core of your being. So that's why we have these peace. Where does the peace come from? From the good news. From the gospel, the peace that passes all understanding. Jesus made it possible for us to have peace with God. There's two things. There's peace with God and there's peace of God. Peace with God is vertical. 
My relation with God is at peace. I am at peace with God. When you die, you want to be at peace with God. Amen? On the earth, horizontally, we need the peace of God to go with us through the affairs of our life. We need the peace of God in our family. We need the peace of God in our business. We need the peace of God in our, in our communities. We need the peace of God there. First of all, though, is peace with God. Peace with God comes through what Jesus Christ did for our lives. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1. So now, since we've been made right in God's sight, by faith in his promises, we can have real peace with him. Notice it says real peace with him. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Real peace, not pseudo peace. Again, there's a world that looks for peace in different places. They look for peace in a cruise. I'll go on a cruise. I'll have peace. I will, I will have a drink. I'll have peace. I'll have more money. I'll have peace. I'll move into a bigger apartment. I'll have peace. I'll get, those are outside. The real peace comes from the peace that we have through relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift, Jesus says, peace of mind and heart. Wouldn't you agree it is a gift to have peace in your heart and in your head? Man, if you have peace there, you could do great exploits. I'm leaving you with this gift. And the peace I give isn't like the peace of the world that it gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Hear the nature of our Father through this. Our Father, which art in heaven, our Father does not want you troubled. He does not want you afraid. I'll say it again. This is good news. Our heavenly father, just like an earthly father, doesn't want his child to be afraid or troubled. God the father does not want you troubled and he does not want you to be afraid. And Jesus said, I will give you peace. Just like Gideon needed peace to go into his battle, we need Jehovah Shalom at the core of our being for the battles of our life that we're not rattled or afraid. And it is a gift. This is why it says here, I am leaving you with a gift. If this little bulletin represents the gift God gives, he says, I am extending this gift to you. If he extends the gift to us, and if it's a gift... I'm, it says here, I'm leaving you with a gift. You remember your mom and dad would leave you a gift under the Christmas tree? They left you a gift. Christmas morning, what did you do? You came down and you opened the present and you received the gift. When Jesus leaves you a gift, if the gift is peace, that peace must be received. And when you receive that gift, it is received into your heart. And there's a change that takes place in your heart where his peace is downloaded into you. I have my little iPhone in my back pocket here. And I was really excited this week because I don't have the latest iPhone. I got the, the, the first 3G, not the 3G. Is it, is it the 3GS, the latest one? The 3G Super? I don't have the Super model. I just got the 3G. I don't know what S stands for. But anyhow, I have the 3G model. And I downloaded this package. Now I can do search on my iPhone. I can cut and paste. It really bugged me that it didn't have cut and paste and search. I thought... They should have had that a long time ago. Anyhow, I downloaded that onto my iPhone. I took it into the very core of my iPhone. Jesus has peace for you. And that peace can be downloaded into your spirit. My peace I give to you. But guess what? I had to choose to receive it. I could have said, decline, do it later. Right? A lot of times I just say, do it later, do it later, do it later. I said, no, I want this option. 
And maybe you have had peace extended to you before, and you've just hit, do it later, do it later. But today God's saying, would you like to download peace into your heart? My peace I give to you. It must be downloaded, so to speak. It must be received. Peace with God. In Luke, when the angels announced, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Not amongst men. If it was amongst men, we would have peace all over the world. We don't have peace all over the world. There will be a day when Jesus comes back and there will be peace. But today, he said it was toward men for those who receive it. Not everybody has received it. So we don't have peace everywhere. But it can be in your heart. It can be in your home. When Mother Teresa won the Nobel Peace Prize, they asked her, what can we do to promote worldly peace? And she gave a very, very good answer, Mother Teresa. She said, if you want to promote world peace, I think of some of the ways we go about promoting world peace. It's very different than what she said. She says, if you want to promote world peace, are you ready for this? I'm pausing for effect. (laughs) If you want to promote world peace, she said, go home and love your family. Isn't that good? Where does peace start? Peace starts in your heart, then in your home, then in your community, then in your city, then in your country, and then in your world. You want world peace? Start right in your home. Start in your own backyard. Start in your own heart. Because it's an inside thing. Peace is an inside thing. And then it flows outwardly. So not only do we need peace with God, we need the peace of God. And again, peace is not the absence of danger or problems, but it's the presence of God. So here's some ways to have the peace of God, the horizontal thing, in our life. First of all, it's in your notes there. Tell your Heavenly Father about what is stressing you out about your battles. This morning, let me ask you a question. What's stressing you out? We all got some. We all got some cares. We all got some problems. Maybe you're thinking about an email that you have to write yet before the weekend is over. Maybe you're thinking about an assignment that's due this week. Or maybe you're thinking about a job that's got to be, you got to get a job. Or maybe you think you got to get a promotion, you got a business deal. Every one of us here, come Monday morning, there's stuff we got to do, right? And it can be stressing us out. Or you can have a family situation that can stress you out. So what's stressing you out? What do we do with that? Well, to have peace of God, here's our instructions from Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for how much? Nothing. Anxious for nothing. God's not, he's asking us not to worry, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we're thankful that God's able. Let your requests be made known to God. Your requests, what are you caring about? What are you stressed out about? Bring these to God. Tell the Lord about them. And watch what happens. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Folks, it's a great clue right there. As long as we hold on to our cares, our problems, our stresses, and we try to do it ourselves, we will not do great exploits. Jehovah Shalom can't get involved. But if we say, Lord, I give it to you, my cares, my problems, then it says there is a peace that passes all understanding. What does that mean? That means when you're in the middle of a battle, your friends, your loved ones can't understand, man, you should be stressed out. This should absolutely be freaking you out, but you're calm. How can you be so calm? Don't you know what just happened? 
Yes, but there is Jehovah Shalom living within me. Ever been on the plane when you hit one of those rough spots? And all of a sudden you drop or you go this way and the, the, and the, and the tables, uh, the food tray lifts and floats in the air for a while. Have you ever had one of those flights? I hope you don't ever have one. But if you had, you know what happens. There are people, they're, they're, they're just screaming all over around you. But in the middle of that, you can have a peace and a calm that everything's going to be all right. In the midst of our challenges, God is saying, what's the nature of our Father? I am with you. Just like I was with Gideon, my shalom, my presence, my harmony will be with you so that you can have clear thinking. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear takes three things from you. Fear takes your power. It paralyzes you. It takes your love. You just think about yourself, and it takes your soundness of mind, your clear thinking. But with Jehovah's shalom embraced... You have power, love, and a sound mind. The peace of God is with you. Secondly, keep your mind on God's perspective. Your peace is directly related to what you think on. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stayed on you because he trusts in you. And then lastly, on the last page, let peace be your compass in life. Isaiah said this. For you shall go out with joy, not with complaining. I'll go out with you. I've got to go to work this morning. No, go out with joy. Go out with joy and be led out with what? Peace. Jehovah Shalom. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So as a declaration this morning, I want to, I want to leave this special verse for you. This is our Father's nature. This is what he thinks of you. Number 6, 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you. And protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.